This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. On Tuesday, November 15, 2022, for hours the world held its breath after a missile killed two people in Poland. It was thought that missile was launched by Russia, and that meant, if true, World War III was about to begin. We shouldn't be surprised too much because almost nine uh, months uh, going on this special, I would add, terrorist operation, and missiles flying all over the country, I mean, Ukraine. Linus Linkevicius is ambassador-at-large from Lithuania. He suggests the longer the war continues and the more missiles fly, the greater the chances are for a broader conflict. This is tragedy. It shouldn't be unexpected. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Since the war began in Ukraine, there has been this nagging concern that a stray missile from Russia could land in a neighboring country and start World War III. Tuesday of this week, a missile landed in Poland, killing two people. Two days later, there's still two different narratives about who did it. Poland, the U.S. and many Western nations, along with NATO, say it was actually a missile that Ukraine fired to protect itself against a barrage of Russian missiles. Ukraine is still, at this hour, 1.45 p.m. on November 17, 2022, saying that it was not their missile, it was a Russian missile. So as we await the results of an investigation, an investigation in which Ukraine is now participating, we turn to Linus Linkevicius. He is the ambassador at large from Lithuania with deep knowledge of defense and security in the region to talk to him about that situation and the broader problem here, how to deal with Russia. Ambassador Linkevicius, thank you for taking time to talk with us today. I want to talk to you very briefly about a few things. The top of the list is what took place a few days ago in Poland. We knew that Russia was hammering Ukraine with missiles, and we knew this has been going on for a while. We knew that there was a possibility that some kind of spillover could take place, but I don't think anybody really thought about what really happened, and that is that possibly Ukraine was responsible for this. Um, what did you see, and what's your view on what took place? Well, first of all, we shouldn't be surprised too much because almost nine uh, months uh, going on this special, I would add, terrorist operation, and missiles flying all over the country, I mean, Ukraine, uh, lately quite intensively, especially after the G20 meeting, as you know, 100 missiles were launched to, to whole territory of Ukraine. 
So it's, it's repeatedly uh, taking place every day, and probability of that kind of incidents increased. So it only ha happened uh, any time, later or, or, or sooner. So it's it's uh, it's not so important when, but it happened. This is tragedy. So first first moment, it shouldn't be unexpected. Then it's not yet clear the reasons, as we see these contradictive comments. Uh, uh, more, more assumptions that this is Ukrainian missile, but President Zelensky doesn't agree. I personally think that uh, they must be uh, must be granted access to the investigation in order to make sure that this is really in transparent way uh, investigated this incident to make sure to know what, what happened in, in reality. So this is important. But having say, said this, I would add that it shouldn't overshadow the main events uh, which are uh, going as we speak and this uh, everyday not non-stop stop terrorist uh, uh, rocket rocket terrorism uh, against uh, civilian uh, targets against uh, against uh, energy infrastructure uh, in other words uh, everyday military uh, war crimes are committed basically and, and this is this is the main so uh, that tragedy is important. Investigation must take place. Uh, let's hope we'll have the outcome, which would be reliable and uh, transparent. But on the other hand, we shouldn't forget who is behind that. So whatever would be the outcome of this investigation, we should understand that Russia is responsible for this war, which lasts uh, almost nine months. And uh, this is the reason. And they must pay. They must pay for this. And... Uh, if we will know that that was um, deliberate, right, uh, then we'll, yes. this responsibility will be bigger. But if not, it will be maybe not so big. But uh, to say that they have nothing to do, as would as President Erdogan told after G20 that Russia, he, he was happy that Russia has nothing to do. Maybe that's too much. Maybe they are not to be blamed directly, but it would be not true to say that they have nothing to do because they have to do. And with everything what is happening directly or implicitly and this is the main main reason why i would like to make this comment what is it going to take to get through to to the russian leadership to the kremlin that this war cannot work i believe they should understand if they still in their minds in general they should understand that they are complete stalemate it's not to say worse and they should find a way out so at least they should uh, get now this is kind of pause in this military actions uh, to get power back and to continue with the war so they need negotiations or whatever you can call it truce and trying to buy uh, emotions of some western colleagues uh, trying to convince that this is peace this is really peace what they're trying to they're ready for negotiations that they repeatedly telling and this is what they are trying to do. Otherwise, they will not survive that tempo. They, they cannot do more in implementing the pseudo-geopolitical plan. So this is feelings in Russia. And that's def definitely very detrimental to Putin. And uh, although mm, there are more, more, more and more public criticism, which never happened before, we also should, should notice that this is happening. So probably some undercover fights taking place also in Kremlin. And uh, I, I would assume that they're also preparing for some changes, but these changes will happen just by them, not by somebody else. And you cannot speed up or slow down. This is, this is not possible. We simply should proceed uh, and to do what we have to do. 
And after incidents like that, the two points, uh, two, two, so to say, the tasks are obvious, at least for me. First of all, to strengthen our air defense capabilities, our alliance air defense capabilities, uh, missile defense capabilities, uh, and uh, to make it stronger, especially on the border region. But on the other hand, uh, to speed, speed up military support to Ukraine. And uh, after incidents like that, we should understand there shouldn't be any limits, uh, red lines, like it is now, especially in providing uh, hard artillery and uh, other, other uh, some, some calls are very sensitive that Ukrainians will start to, to, to uh, bomb uh, Ukrainian Russian cities. Uh, I don't think that's about that. It's just about imbalanced capabilities now because Russians, they do have long-range artillery, they have ballistic missiles, so they really can use them. Ukrainians do not have them. They cannot really, uh, in this regard, to withstand all this pressure by themselves, although they are doing quite well, as you can see, and progress is visible. But in order to make sure that these changes will happen sooner than later, uh, we have to really increase, uh, increase tempo of this military assistance, which is our major task. So this Two points, uh, regardless the outcome of investigation, which is important, as I said, but first of all, strengthening own capabilities and, uh, and uh, speeding up uh, support, military support to Ukraine. So that's NATO going to do, I hope, because yeah. it was discussed. <clears throat> so what is Lithuania's official position and plan for achieving those things, to your knowledge? You've, you've, you've been... Uh, in the defense arena in Lithuania before, and um, you, as an ambassador at large, now have a broader view of everything that impacts Lithuania, especially geopolitical situations like this and security situations like this. So what, to your knowledge, is the official plan for addressing, you know, those two things you mentioned, the investigation into what happened in Poland and strengthening defense in those countries around Ukraine, Poland, and Russia? Well, regardless of the fact that Poland uh, did not in initiate Article 4, as we understand, yet, uh, because the reasons are clear, if it's, uh, let's assume it was incident, it was not deliberate attack, maybe no reason, but it doesn't mean that NATO is not consulting. And yesterday in the morning, there was a meeting of NATO ambassadors, uh, and, and these, uh, this meeting also provided some, some results, uh, and exactly along the lines, as I said, so I hope it will happen. Also, if we'll look at so-called Ramstein coalition deliverables. So it's also taking place and countries reporting what kind of weapon systems they are going to deliver. I hope everything is moving along these lines. So what we are doing, definitely we are not superpower. We cannot make a difference in this regard. But we were among those, uh, among first, or maybe maybe even the first uh, during uh, my tenure in office, as I remember, when we provided military assistance to Ukraine, when it was not shared by many. And there was understanding that it's not a not, not should, shouldn't happen because it's too provocative. So we were among those who were saying that the Ukrainians have uh, right and maybe duty to defend their country. We're talking about that. We have to do that. So uh, by own example, we're trying also to convince our colleagues to be more persistent, more more consistent even uh, to, 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 to doing what we have to do, uh, given the fact that the Ukrainians are being killed, not us, and they are paying this this price. So just uh, just what we what we have to do, not to limit assistance, which is really crucially important for Ukrainians, especially now. 
Looking at your own country, as you mentioned, you are you say you're not a superpower, but you know, honestly, you know, being a superpower in the traditional sense, yes, I understand that, but considering over the years how Lithuania and your other Baltic neighbors have dealt with Russia's aggression and teaching the rest of the world what we need to know and what we need to do has been immeasurable. It's been really very, very important for this war. So, you know, maybe a superpower in that sense, because you've got the knowledge of how to deal with this. Uh, how are you prepared for the future? Because we are looking at this as, okay, Vladimir Putin and this group of people are running the Kremlin now. We need to deal with this. But what happens after Putin? And there will be an after um, so how is you Lithuania prepared to move on and 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 work in the future towards dealing with this problem, you know, after these people are gone? Well, you're quite right, but we were suggesting ways how to deal with Russia, uh, not just learning from the books, but was our life it was a very recent experience. And some of our proposals for some sounded too radical too toxic maybe at the beginning although we were telling since since very beginning since occupation of georgia or annexation of crimea that we're not consistent ourselves that we're not doing enough we're deciding something to do but then retreating and aggressor lens that price is agreeable and they can continue so i hope this time it will not be the case simply because it was not the case before and now uh, i i still i'm afraid that some colleagues still believe that they can have uh, deal with Putin. Maybe he will survive and maybe they will continue and so we have to be careful. That would be a big mistake. Until Putin is in his position, not not vulnerable, so to say, not damaged, which have to, has to be happened after what, what he, he, he did, then the war will, will not end. And he will continue to provide his geopolitical dreams at the expense of other lives and regardless whatever will happen. So we have to Make sure that they will take this lesson and uh, this defeat this time for Russia should be painful and uh, otherwise will be no changes in Kremlin. And that's that's important to know. So what we're trying now to convince, we have to make sure that uh, and to, to convince others that dialogue or this diplomacy statements uh, will make no difference for them. They also, they're always uh, taking seriously hard, tangible arguments. And until they will not, they will not hit wall of these arguments. They will continue to proceed. They continue to go. And that's exactly our difficult task, I would say, to convince all colleagues that we have to be united here, and not to retreat, uh, not to shy away, and to definitely accomplish what started without pause, without break for them, just to make sure that uh, they will change. And again, uh, we are not going to bomb Moscow, right? I hope we are not going to engage directly. Uh, to take Moscow, it's task of Russians. <laughs> they should do that themselves. If they want, if they want to get back to normal civilized world, if they want to lift sanctions, if they want to brief uh, normally, at least they should understand that something should happen in, in Kremlin's uh, policy and, and mentality. And uh, frankly, this should happen. So, if we will not insist, uh, if they will survive, that will be big, big tragedy. And again, another crisis will erupt somewhere else. And again, will be very expensive and difficult to, to take care about that. 
Ambassador Linkevich, um, you talked about um, making this situation painful for uh, Moscow so that they learn their lesson and their mistake. Um, do you what 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 would make it painful? Because we we've seen the we've seen the the sanctions which seem to be working slowly, but they seem to be working. We've seen the fact that they've had to turn to North Korea and Iran for weapons. Um, but um, those that are prosecuting this war seem to be untouchable. So what would make it punish, uh, what, what would make it painful for them? Exactly that it shouldn't be untouchable for those who are making this war. So far they are painful, unprecedented, but still not, not enough. Let's look at figures. We all understand that the bulk of GDP creates from energy resources, right? For them, 20% or whatever. And we paid recently 1 billion every day for gas and oil. Now, there are some sanctions for oil, but it will take place only in December, right? It was now transition period, and they could divert and could fight other, other customers, which is especially China, India. And this is, again, not so painful as it could be. Gas sanctions were postponed, I'm talking about Europeans now, postponed to, to the next year because of technical uh, reasons and whatever. But this is uh, most important sources uh, for war machine. Uh, so I'm saying that the economy is, is not collapsing, right, in Russia. And they're surviving so far. So that means uh, it's also not exhausted. And we have to make sure that that should be painful. Not only for, for the people at large, but for everyone, especially for for. for those who are really, really taking these decisions and, and, and responsible for that. So it's not yet done. And also this defeat, what I mean defeat, uh, to clear Ukraine for, 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 from Russia, that would be major, major kind of uh, setback for, for, for Kremlin. And that would very difficult to cover by propaganda to say that it was a victory. Although they can sell to own public anything as a victory, but that would be very difficult after what happened. So now we on the way after Kherson, especially, this is really a psychological uh, blow to Kremlin. And it's important to continue, not to stop. To, to clean to clean uh, Ukraine, that would be really painful because mm -hmm. they started with different meaning, and the global me meaning. And nothing from the speech of Putin of 24th of February, if we remember, nothing implemented so far. And no, no, no threats were even far from, from being implemented. Well, let's uh, mention NATO, right? He's demanded to get back to the borders of 97, not even talking about enlargement. And now we see that uh, it's not so easy, but I, I hope it will happen. Sweden and Finland will join. And we have Baltic Sea as inner lake of NATO. So they, they were complaining groundlessly that they are surrounded by NATO, but looking at the map, it's by far, it's not true uh, at all. But now it, it withdrew. Baltic Sea will be NATO Sea, basically. And yeah. Kaliningrad will be surrounded. So to sell that as a victory would be very difficult. It will be humiliation, one can say, or defeat, but definitely not success. And that, yeah. that's exactly what I mean. That, I mean, but, but if we'll stop, if we'll start to think how to save face of Putin, uh, how to preserve his for future dialogue, uh, which will, again, as, as happened before, that would be would be a big mistake. So I hope it will not happen. But I cannot say for sure that everybody thinks along these lines. I can, cannot, cannot tell you. I don't know, simply. I feel, I hope that this is not the case, but we'll see. It remains to be seen. The <laughs> It's hard to figure out, you know, where 
Putin and Russia will come from next, the Kremlin, what they will do next. One of the reasons for that, I suppose, Ambassador, is that they seem to live in a different reality. They seem to think a different way. For example, when this situation took place in Poland a few days ago, Russia was quick to say, the world has wronged us, Poland has wronged us by blaming us for something that we didn't do, while not addressing the fact that if it weren't for them attacking Ukraine and launching missiles, forcing Ukraine to defend itself, then this would never have happened. They ignored the reality there. And so the the, the question is, how do you address an or a, a nation that essentially lives in a different reality, at least the leadership does? And how do you address that? I still have hope that there are limits to fool the public at large because it's happening even more, more ridiculous things. I, I would say, if you remember, they uh, on one hand they were happy that uh, finally the Zelensky got revenge after after this missile, right? Right. So they made it, and then denying in the same statement that they are behind this incident. So they should uh, make their minds. Uh, well, where is the true? <laughs> are, are they really? Also, they are claiming that they are fighting with NATO, right? It's why we're we are why, why it's so difficult because we're fighting with 50 countries with NATO, and that's why it's so difficult. Uh, but it's not the case, as we all know. And now, if they uh, supposedly hit Polish territory, this is NATO. But they're afraid immediately. They started to, to explain that they are not having nothing to do, and they're afraid to get engaged with NATO directly. So after the statements, they are fighting with NATO. But when it comes close. Uh, like 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 uh, fight with NATO, they are shying away immediately. So really, public at large, I don't think that they are following so precisely, and they they definitely can digest everything we're to they, they told. They used to that. Like this brainwashing phenomena, it's really quite a quite a big problem in Russia, and will take time to to to, to change something definitely. But I still hope that. Not, not all of them are so so stupid. After this operation, like look, so so-called mobilization, that was very close to everyone, right? It was said it's limited, it's it's partial, but we understood that even pilots from the cabins of planes were taken for for for, for mobilization. International flights were cancelled, so it was really uh, efforts to take everyone they afford to take, and then they cannot supply them. It was also in social media. They cannot. They should even buy personal money, bulletproof vests, and something else, you know. So this is, this is everyone knows that. So statements officially that we are really here, and we, we have, we have this, uh, we implemented what we, what we planned, but on the other hand, everybody sees, and even propaganda channels, they were questioning publicly, where is our million army? Where, where is this army? What happened? Why we cannot do that? Why, why this whole equipment is stolen, as it appeared to be? Who, who is guilty and why nobody is punished? punished? So it's not uh, Western uh, media, it's Russian um, uh, propaganda sources that started to question this. So this is also creating a difference. And by the way, I lately learned, maybe you have seen yourself, I don't know whether it's proved or not, but all these channels also, also have some rates of popularity. You know, how many subscribers, how, many, how big is audience? So all these uh, most popular Kremlin uh, uh, mouthpieces, so to say, they're losing audience. Yeah, I have seen that. To, you've seen that. So, so it's yes. also uh, so 
again to, to draw some conclusions maybe too too early but i i hope that this threshold of patience and ignorance uh, also is uh, not unlimited yeah something will, will, will happen in that country but again i would add it will happen by themselves nobody will come from a site uh, to do a job for them yeah but we have to do our job and that's the main task for us yeah you're right um you and i have been talking about this issue and others for the better part of a decade now and a lot of what you said um dating back years has has come true um that and that in part i believe becomes it, it's it's because of your experience with uh, a nation like russia and uh this 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 advice is very beneficial to the west and the us and uh, i think just a couple of more quick things but one of those things i'd like to ask you is the us knows you know what's happening now but you know keeping people in the west and in the us especially focused on this and staying with this problem instead of this nonsense about we need to step back and we need to let them handle that problem themselves um that's just nonsense so how do you keep americans and westerners focused on the dire and significant need to deal with this problem uh, that's unfolding in in ukraine and poland and all over the baltics and that part of the world very difficult for me to answer i don't maybe feel uh, how it looks like from american view and i understand that as in every country domestic policy is most important as we can see during last uh, midterm elections right people were concerned about economy inflation the foreign policy was not the case at all probably and i, I doubt that ukraine was on the top of the interest in, the, in this debate maybe for presidential elections foreign policy more important i don't know so domestic is is, is fine but I, my feeling is that Americans, they do not want to see their country as a world policeman, right, on one hand. And to manage uh, problems everywhere in the world, to send troops, and uh, probably that's the case. But I don't think that another edge uh, would be to, to get rid of everything and just leave things as, as there are. Uh, don't, do not care about fate of democracy in the world, of free freedom of sovereignty, of these values which were always attached to American society as a, as a kind of a stronghold of that, regardless which parties in power. At least my feeling is that this is America. It's about values, about freedom, about democracy. And uh, to, to, to shy away from all these supports, right, uh, all this possibility, that would be too much, in my view. So on one hand, not to be world policemen, that's understandable, but on the other hand, to withdraw the attention from everywhere, although if you have potential to make a difference. It's one very important point. Who is What the superpowers we just discussed? Yes, size is important, but also if you have potential to make a difference in the world, that means this is also your duty, your responsibility, not just for your own country, but also for everything else. If something depends on you, if, thing, if bad things taking place, you have uh, leverage to make a difference uh, or slow down at least to, to, to counter. You're doing nothing, so that means you're not guilty for what is happening, but you're also responsible for what is happening. And uh, again, I believe this is also kind of feeling which, which shouldn't be very strange, uh, I hope, for Americans as well, because they're yeah. proud of, about their country because of history, because of role in the world. So that's maybe moralization, <laughs> always not very easy to ask, but 
that's uh, exactly what we expect from the United States as a leadership, not to do to do things for others, but to lead, to lead and to really to make coalitions. Exactly what it's, it's done now in terms of support, support to, to Ukraine, because yeah. it's, uh, it's definitely very important providing the support nationally, but also creating this coalition like Rammstein coalition, for instance. Yeah. And, uh, I, I believe it's very right expectation that Europeans should take lead in the reconstruction field and economic support. Definitely, we should share responsibilities. And that's a good example to follow, to, to, to take also some responsibilities themselves. So this Rammstein coalition needed now in field of financial support and reconstruction. Also, I would say very urgently, uh, coalition of Rammstein needed an energy support now because Ukrainians will face the hardest uh, winter in their history, probably. And that will be also a big, big humanitarian drama. And we have to pull resources to help them in this regard, not only in the war, but also make people to th- survive this winter. So yeah. this is this is exactly not just words, but very concrete deeds. And when they're providing support two times more than other countries, altogether half of that <laughs> altogether. So this is a very strong argument. Although some say it's not enough, right? Some some criticize, criticizing even, as, as always. But yeah. I hope it will not be, not be the case. And Euro-Atlantic power is very strong. It's not just because of size, because of economic power, but this is something uh, very important vehicle for the progress. If that would be split, as some would dream to, to, to make it happen, yeah. that would be a big, 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 big mistake in the history. And I, I hope we will not be part of that. Yeah. So last thing I'll ask you, Ambassador, um, you, as we have discussed today, have been watching the world for a while and have participated in a number of different disciplines in the government in Lithuania and uh, have seen the world evolve and have seen um, many of the things that we're experiencing now um, coming. So um, last thing, what what do you see for the future? Uh, and I know you're not uh, a magician. I know you don't have a crystal ball, um, but I do know that, you know, you have a lot of experience and have seen some things and have some knowledge about, you know, what's taking place and perhaps what we might face. So what do you see uh, on the horizon for the world, especially uh, Eastern Europe? I would add to what you said, I also have more shortcomings. I'm optimist, you know, usually I'm looking at things which are brighter than they are in reality and maybe some wishful thinking always. I I would like to see us stronger in the future, but I have to say it's not granted, it's not given. And we can see now that it's lack of leadership sometimes, right? Whatever you look at. Leaders are those who really can run uh, the show and others are following, believing, trust them which is a big problem now uh, in many countries, by, by the way, also in Europe. And when we are facing uh, many crises at the same time, we need leadership. We need to take responsibility, not flexibility, diplomacy, and uh, covered by smoke screen, some kind of dialogue, which sometimes leads, leads nowhere and not taking clear, uh, clear position, especially when we having the business with autocracies. And now I would say maybe democracy is, is not, not losing yet, but definitely not, not winning yet autocracies. And autocracies consolidated and trying to shape the world and make new order as, as we speak. So uh, very big test for democracies, very big test for your Atlantic community. 
I hope it will it will happen. We have potential to win, and uh, that's the main main reason our argument. So this is how I would see the future. So countries, those who want to be free, and those who have chosen ways on their own how to develop develop their, their future. It shouldn't be just problem of these countries because it should be a problem also of the democratic world. And the values must be defended where and when they are attacked, not just like science fiction. And we have to understand that this is important. Again, not working for some, but assisting proactively uh, these processes. And that's exactly what we feel uh, in our neighborhoods and, uh, and uh, as, as we speak. So it's not a done deal. There are more centers of gravity, unfortunately, not just Euro-Atlantic values, but also some, something else. So we should understand. Crisis sometimes uh, helping, helping to find forces to withstand, to win. I hope this will be the case. If, if crisis was smashing and destroying what was built by centuries, sometimes that would be a big drama, but I, I hope it will not be the case. So now we are facing this period, which is very decisive. That was our conversation with Ambassador Linus Linkevicius. He's Ambassador-at-Large from Lithuania. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. After almost 10 years of military activity against terrorists in the Sahel region of Africa, France is ending the mission. What does it mean? This is a significant step. Not only has France been there for quite a while, since 2013, it was also really the linchpin for a lot of other uh, international operations. So a lot of the European Union training missions were somehow connected to, attached with, reinforced by the French troops that were on the ground. And Dr. Hans Jacob Schindler, Senior Director of the Counter-Extremism Project, says this is not a good thing. It cannot do without military components. I'm sorry, you know, this is still and necessary, as bad as it is, and as sad as it is, and as you know, short term as these measures are when you just do militarily, but not militarily is also not an option. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa, jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at wtop.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green. And this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. For nine years, a man terrorized women across the D.C. region. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me for Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series, available October 4th on all podcast platforms.